0: and welcome to Level Up Watches. This is the spin-off series from the Level Up and Friends podcast, where those of us from the video game and comic book store Level Up Entertainment in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and also in Summers Point, New Jersey, coming soon, uh, are getting together with a few friends of ours to talk about the latest and greatest in pop culture entertainment. Uh, so for this series, we're going to be covering the latest entry in the MCU, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to go through it uh, each episode, week by week, we're going to give you our recap, uh, reviews, our insights, predictions, all that good stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm your host, Harry, and it is my honor to be joined by the Sam to my Bucky, the Falcon to my Winter Soldier, the friend of the store, the one, the only, Marvelous Mike. Hello, South Jersey. What's doing? What's happening? What's happening? Welcome to the show, uh, Marvelous Mike. Thank you very much for joining me. I, uh, you know, Before we really get into the this, this meat and potatoes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I just want to give the viewers at home, the listeners, a chance to get to know you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
1: Well, all I'll say is the first words out of my mouth were excelsior. So I have been a fan. <laughs> Going back to to the silver ages, if we can uh, say, well, no, so funny story. So I have known your host here for the better part of well, well over 10 years by now, Mm I would say close to 15 Mm -hmm. and uh, had the privilege and honor to to room with him at our small liberal arts college in Staten Island, uh, New York. And he, you know, loved loved Marvel, and I loved Jack Benny. and you know those two just really didn't go together. Uh, but I'll say uh, not to get off of a Marvel kick, but he did introduce me to uh, the Dark Knight mm-hmm. uh, and and fell in love with that series. so he he had started laying you know the groundwork for me to become a Marvel. Uh, a fan, a superhero comic book fan, but it took until the coronavirus pandemic that once in a century event Mm -hmm. uh, for me to have a once in a century event of, of a marathon of epic proportions. And I actually was going back through our texts and feel free to cut me off at any time if we've lost any of our listeners by now. But it was last March 22nd that I had asked you, hey, Send me the the chronological list of of Marvel. I'm going to give this a try, and, and you did. And it was mm-hmm. a Sunday afternoon. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon last March twenty um, second. Went down to my basement, put on Disney Plus, and found Captain America, and absolutely fell in love with the MCU. It was. Uh, not only the time period maybe that's why i loved it so much uh and, and you also Alan relate Megan.
0: with a 100 plus year old man yeah
1: <laughs> but just as the, the storytelling the cinematography uh, everything was at a level that uh was at the utmost professional at the top of of their game and i was just blown away and i said i'm hooked and i'm gonna watch a movie a day and and harry said i'll i'll Believe it. I'll, believe it when I see it. I believe order. It's a, <laughs> and and the following day, I called my wife down and I said, we have to, we have to watch this together. And we, that was uh, Captain Marvel mm-hmm. is the second movie in the series. And we watched that and, and she got hooked. And then on the third day, God created Iron Man. <laughs> and that was, I think, really, we fell in love. You got, I got, my tony stark right here mm-hmm. uh, the greatest superhero of them all in my opinion and i know yours as well uh if i don't want to yeah. I, I don't want to you know cause any split amongst your <laughs> your friends by by saying that but we watched found love with iron man and then every day uh we watched in order Uh, for each movie in the MCU even including Ed Norton as the Hulk which we'll save for another time Uh,
0: but you had a carefully curated list because you you know you said you started with Captain America people may be like jumping through the computer screen right now to say like that's not the first movie but I specifically wanted to take you through the MCU chronologically but there were some end credit scenes that you weren't allowed to watch. There were that certain things that, you know, you had to watch in a different order. So everything was carefully curated for you uh, to get the best experience possible. You, sir, and,
1: you gave me the director's cut before, during, and after every movie.
0: And how spoiled were you? I mean, where the rest of us had to wait like years in between all these cliffhangers and and all these things, you just had it right at your fingertips on Disney Plus to go we really
1: did, a movie a night. We started May, uh, March the 22nd. And we finished uh, Endgame on Easter Sunday last year, and uh, we—that I think was probably the greatest cinematic experience that I've ever experienced. I watched it on my sixty-five-inch TV screen. I wish it was on in a movie theater, though, because that was just absolutely amazing. But now, now I feel like the rest of you schlobs that you know have to wait now <laughs> three or four years in between each one uh, for the next one.
0: Well, hopefully this podcast will help make that wait go by a little bit faster um, because now Disney Plus has given us these Marvel Cinematic Universe shows. And while they've tried to do sort of tie in TV episodic things before with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and there was uh, a few of the Netflix uh, shows, Daredevil, Iron Fist, things like that. I feel like this is the first time they've really incorporated the MCU proper. Um, They've always made references to the movies, but you didn't have something like uh the winter soldier or falcon just jumping into the show um there were very limited cameos um so what how do you feel starting with wandavision uh that we just completed uh now going on to falcon and winter soldier how do you feel about the the episodic nature now of the MCU
1: i there's not enough that that is how <laughs> i feel going back to me being spoiled uh well wandavision as a student of his of uh, student of television and television history, that it was like a love letter to television, those first few episodes, uh, the way it was filmed, the way they even recreated the sets into the theme songs of of the shows that they were paying tribute to. Uh, And then, you know, to go in not knowing where it's going and then just to have that twist, I guess, at the end of the third third or fourth episode uh, with everything that's going on Um, outside i don't want to if people haven't watched yet but outside the bubble uh was was great and what i've noticed about these series especially the disney series and even on you know netflix amazon prime is more so than conventional television that each episode in and of itself is an event Mm -hmm. that they they make it as if you know, we have to stand by. It's not going to be an episode that gets lost in syndication of 24 other episodes of a series. This is We're only doing nine episodes. We're only doing six episodes. Each one has to reach greatness uh, on its own. And I think that's probably the, I guess the best takeaway of, of the series uh, without going into them individually.
0: Yeah, and that's why we wanted to do a, a spinoff podcast where we sort of recap uh, and go through these series uh, episode by episode we didn't get to do it for wandavision but we did do a level up and friends podcast recapping wandavision uh, but we said you know what for falcon and winter soldier let's start it from the very beginning uh we'll do each episode so we're going to try to bring you a, a, a podcast spin-off episode every week covering the falcon and the winter soldier um before we're
1: not supposed to watch it before this <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you can you can just kind of jump in and, and guess as to what I'm talking about, you know? Well,
1: actually, let me, before we go off further, because I do have to say, and by the way, this Iron Man, little tongue-in-cheek, little wink to the audience, is on the Shelby Foot history of the Civil War. So Iron Man sitting on the Civil War, that's for all you history buffs out there. <laughs> and my new two collections, uh, we have, right off of Amazon, the Marvel 100 Greatest Comics. Mm-hmm. And at a recommendation of our of our host, of the Marvel Encyclopedia New Edition. Uh, so uh, you, you know, studying up on some of the characters that we see popping up, but not too much because I don't want to give it away. Yeah, that's what I was
0: going to ask. How much of those books have you really had a chance to read? Because you've been afraid about spoilers.
1: <laughs> I use it just to prop up the laptop when that's I'm on. That's what I
0: figured. Meetings. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, because you are coming at this more from the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe perspective and, and that storyline, not so much with the comics. Um, I have a little bit of mix of both. Um, I know a little bit of the comics knowledge, but that doesn't necessarily give you too much of an advantage because the uh, the powers that be at Marvel Studios kind of know how to use your comics knowledge against you, which I kind of like. It, it's kind of fun. Well, um, I'll just but... say
1: this. You didn't even let me watch any of the trailers for any of the movies. Nope. At, at any time during the uh, the Marvel Watch Party from last year.
0: And you were better for it.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. And we saw Spider-Man in, in Civil War. That was a a big, big surprise. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That was something that was spoiled in the very first trailer, that Spider-Man was going to be even in the movie. There was all kinds of rights issues and, and all kinds of red tape as to why that would, would not happen um but we wanted that to to be an organic surprise for you and and i'm I'm jealous that you got that experience (laughs) all right so with that let's jump into episode one of the falcon and the winter soldier and this episode is titled new world order um you know before we I, i say it again before we jump into the actual episode proper did you have any expectations uh, about this series did you have anything that you wanted to see or or how are your feelings about these two characters going forward
1: well it was funny i thought it was and i'm sure it, i i thought it was going to be much more of a like a buddy series uh <laughs> <laughs> than the first episode led on uh and you know we'll, we'll get to it but very psychological uh mm. thriller-esque the first episode really wasn't expecting that i thought that uh you know coming off of Endgame, that sam would have taken up the captain america mantle and and it would have just you know been the two of them continuing to fight crime uh not all of these backstories which i guess they they never really looked into these two characters on their own outside of the cap so uh so interesting to see you're interested to see where we go here
0: i think that's one of the the benefits of doing these disney plus shows is you sort of get the quiet moments that you don't get a time for in a blockbuster film and especially for these side characters like wanda like vision like winter soldier like falcon i mean we we only see them go basically from battle to battle and now we're getting you know to see what their day-to-day life is like and I, i i like that i think that's really cool um so jumping right in The way that this episode starts, we get the voiceover from Endgame, where Sam is saying uh, to old Captain America, and we only get the voiceover here, that uh, he feels like the shield belongs to somebody else, doesn't doesn't fit him. And Cap tells him, it's it's yours, it shouldn't. And, you know, you see Sam kind of getting ready um, while this voiceover is going on. He's Wearing a suit, black tie, so you're you're trying to wonder: Is this is he getting ready for a funeral? You know, he's packing up the shield. Um, I, I, they're keeping the fate of old Captain America sort of in mystery right now, um, and that's including um, Spider-Man: Far From Home, which took place after Endgame. They had included Captain America as part of the memorial service, um, and here. You know, we find out later that that Sam was getting ready to do a ceremony at the Smithsonian where they were saying farewell, Steve, uh, to Steve Rogers. But is he dead? W- where is Steve Rogers right now?
1: You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought, <laughs> I had assumed first that he was getting dressed uh, for the funeral. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I'm thinking, well, how does everyone explain, you know, we had old Steve at the end of Endgame uh and and how do they explain that after the blip and you do have this retirement of captain america at the smithsonian but like you said no mention of, of a memorial to steve rogers is is ever mentioned i just want to go back though yeah. uh to what you said about uh sam feeling that he's unworthy to this, uh, for the captain america shield and to me that was a sign of, well, that means he's, you know, one of the greatest superheroes, you know, thinking that he's not worthy to stand up uh, and, and take Captain America's place. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that humility factor that of course our beloved Iron Man uh, didn't always have all the time, uh, <laughs> we'll go, <laughs> we still love him though, uh, that that humility uh, will help uh, in, in show that he is a superhero and in, in a class of his own.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll get into a little bit later um, some of the weight of taking on that mantle and and what's kind of going through Sam's mind as he's processing that. Before we get to that, though, this show graces us with, oh, don't forget, it's a superhero show. Um, we get sort of a, a, a mission to remind us of Sam Wilson slash the Falcon's abilities. Um, we get to see him on a uh, pretty much like a, a, a recon, recapture mission, um, trying to rescue a army general from an organization that we're told is called LAF. And Sam is even confused as to what LAF is, and they basically just tell us that they're high-powered individuals. Um, I can tell you right now there is no comic book uh, connection there that i can find unless they stand for something else um and people that may know more than me you know go ahead and Put it in the comments if you you know what laf stands for but i couldn't find well anything. i
1: have a, i have a question on that if i could if, if there's a q a yeah.
0: part of this <laughs>
1: that's what this is all about <laughs> i don't want to feel stupid i don't want your friends don't to make don't don't if
0: it. you have the question other people might have the question too well, so this I, could be in, helpful in for that.
1: the encyclopedia i was reading about their involvement with the thunderbolts and i was wondering is is that related to so, any of these groups or has that already come up in another Area in one of the prior movies.
0: No, we haven't seen the Thunderbolts uh, really come into action yet. Um, the Thunderbolts, you know, as far as my recollection, is that that's a team of villains that um sort of to lessen their prison sentence or you know to, to do good in the world, they use them uh for for missions that nobody else wants to do. Um so I don't know if that's what this is referring to. Okay, However, we'll
1: cut that, let's cut that part out <laughs> because I really don't think I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> However, uh, while Sam is on this mission, one of the members of LAF, did you recognize him? One of the no. people on the plane? It's our old friend from the Winter Soldier, Batrock the Leaper, the, the villain that Captain America is fighting at the beginning of the Winter Soldier uh, on the boat. Uh, he, he's fighting, uh, this villain in the beginning of that sequence when they're on the ship and they're trying to, to, to steal the plan. It's been a
1: long year. I don't, I don't remember all the
0: <laughs> That was t- like 20 movies ago. Uh, no, they brought back a villain from the Winter Soldier, which is, is appropriate because that's where we meet both of these characters. Um, but it was, it was a character named Batrock, He's, he's from the comic books. It's funny because, uh, I have to give props to the Marvel costume department, um, the ca- comic book character Batrock the Leaper is is this old Captain America villain he's known for jumping really good and and kicking and stuff um and they they've used him now twice um here and and every time he appears in his comic book uh colors too purple uh jacket yellow shirt yeah. <laughs> you're going to do your homework real quick um but uh he is one of the members of LAF and in fact he's the sort of the ringleader it seems like in this operation and Uh, we see Falcon flying around, flying through, through airplanes, and then he's trying to chase them down. They're in these flight suits also, and they're flying through canyons. And we just get this, this really exciting action sequence to start off the show, um, where it's showing what Falcon can do. And we get a few more comic references here. Falcon calls out to Red Wing, which is his like personal drone. Um, and the, the drone helps him get onto the, to the plane. And it can follow his commands. Uh, In the comic books, Red Wing is uh, a pet falcon of the falcon. It was a bird and it had a telepathic link to Sam Wilson. So I think the drone angle that they're going with here is a little bit better than getting a live bird, but it's nice to see that comic book connection too. Um, And then one other connection that I want to talk about is his Uh, the the army agent on the ground who's kind of talking to Sam while this mission is going on. Um, Basically, the the, the thrust of the mission is Sam has to recover this army uh, commander before they hit the Libyan border, or else there's going to be an international incident. And so there was an army guy on the ground that was calling out the coordinates to Sam. That uh, agent is named Lieutenant Torres, uh, Lieutenant uh, Joaquin Torres, and actually, in the comic books, he later becomes a sidekick and eventually the Falcon uh, for Sam Wilson. So that's another name connection to the comics.
1: I just looked it up. All, all They all are in the encyclopedia. So I'll be researching them <laughs> after if, if I'm invited back for week two.
0: Of course, of course. Um, it was a blink and you miss it because the action sequence moves so quickly. And, um, you know, Batroc, doesn't have any real defining features. It's not like James Bond, where like you can clearly tell the villains have some physical deformity. He kind of looks just like every other you know Eastern European bad guy. But the the first tip off was that he was speaking French because um, Batrock is is French, and um, then you know if you look a little bit closer and you know Winter Soldier, that is the same actor and it's the the same villain. Um, so. One of the things i I want to say from this sequence I noticed was Batrock uh, escapes at the end. Um, Sam Wilson blows up the plane, but uh, Batrock jumps out. So I don't know if we're gonna see him again later. That's something I think we should all keep an eye on since they've brought him back before. Um, anything else about this sequence stand out to you? the the opening action sequence?
1: I, well, I mean, just going back to what I said earlier, uh, in like the cinematic scope of it, each battle sequence, the special effects are just, you know, from a technical standpoint, uh, everything is is always amazing. Nothing looks, you know, half-assed or mm-hmm. or or cheesy uh, in that respect. So, right from the beginning, you're on the edge of your seat. And I think we'll get into it more, but I think this is probably the most adult, yeah, uh, n- not only show outside of Wandavision, but also movie uh, that they've made so far uh, in the MCU under the Disney banner, at least.
0: Language was a little bit turned up. And, um, and and then, you know, also Sam was just throwing those guys around and blowing up planes with them in them. I mean, there was no qualms about killing anybody, killing villains. I mean, they were just, they were toast. So.
1: Yeah, that's actually, that's what struck me from that battle sequence that, oh, wow, it, it, this is intense. This is not, you know, <laughs> let's just one punch, knock them out, do what we have to do, and then forget about them. This was wearing it to win it.
0: It was pretty serious. So after that, once once Sam recovers the army general, uh, we we move to Tunisia, where he has a conversation with Lieutenant Torres. Um, and during that conversation, we see Sam working on Red Wing because Red Wing took some damage. And I, I just thought this was a really nice touch because one of the questions I have about the MCU moving forward is who's going to keep up with all their technology? I mean, I think they leaned on Tony Stark to You know upgrade the war machine armor and take care of all their gear and all this stuff you know now that he's gone who's going to be take care of all this and and we see sam has some electronics know how to fix his own drone and he even says like well when the air force guys get a hold of it like they mess it all up so i i thought this was that was nice to see that you know sam it was nice to show off sam's technical know-how here um we also hear that one of the threats that Torres is looking into is this group called the Flag Smashers, um, and he's sort of tracking them on their, his phone. He's using geolocation. Uh, Flag Smashers is another reference to a comic book villain. It was at the time it was just one one person. It was one villain. Um, that person may or may not show up in the show. We will see. But in this case, it's referred to as a terrorist group who feels like the the, the blip was a good thing for the world and they want to see a world without borders and you know world without nations and, and all this stuff uh, I don't know you know we, we see a little bit of them later but I, I'm not sure if they're going to be the ongoing threat of this show or if it's just sort of a red herring um, the flag smashers
1: yeah I and I found that part funny when they were speaking of you know really pro-globalism. <laughs> That that was being deemed the enemy, and and you think of you know Disney as the international conglomerate <laughs> that it is, showing that you know their enemy is a anti-open borders, uh, anti-globalist. Uh, that that also just struck me as as uh, odd.
0: True. True. Good point. Um, and and here we we also should say they've made it clear that this takes place six months after the blip. Um, so this is very much dealing with some of the economic, political, emotional fallout of having half the world's population uh, be gone, you know, disappeared in a blink, and then come coming back in the, in, this, in an instant five years later. Um, I'm surprised, and, I'm, I'm impressed that they're dealing with that instead of just sweeping it under the rug.
1: And it's, I'd, I'd also like to see, and I hope they do carry this over in the other series and other movies, uh, to the extent that they can, what is happening with all the Avengers during mm-hmm. this time period uh, and how each of them, I guess, and it really is going to show we saw what happened with Wanda, but how each is coping with having either been blipped and, and came back to fight Thanos or, you know, survived the five years and then took part in, in the end game mm-hmm. uh, of battle and, mm-hmm. and what happens from there now that it's over.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch on this here. I was going to talk about it a little bit later, but it goes to show how post-Endgame, how poorly the Avengers sort of planned for an eventuality where they disband or where there's a few key members that are are gone or or dead or retired. There was no pension set up. There was no retirement plan. There was no mental health services. I mean... You know, these guys all seem like they're really on their own. Wanda, you know, we saw the effects of of losing her family in her uh, show. And here we're seeing very much the effects of uh, a post endgame world for Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, who we'll get to, who seem to be left to almost their own devices as to, you know, how to deal with this world. And it's just like, where, where's the Hulk? Where, where are the people who, you know, they, they were the family, you know, to, to bring these guys together. It, it just seems like these new Avengers, that second group that, that joined, you know, maybe Ultron forward, they sort of got the, the brunt of, of all this mess of, of, you know, no more Tony Stark. I guess that means the money's gone. There's no tower. There's no compound. Like you're on your own. Good luck.
1: And how does that, well, we saw a little bit with, with this Smithsonian, uh, but then, well, I guess the end of the episode really uh, mm. shows how the government feels about this group, and, and are they thought of as, you know, heroes and national treasures, or are they thought of more as a, of, of a problem uh, stopping governments from doing what, what they want to do, rather than the people's will?
0: Well, that's a good point, because my other question is, are the Sokovia Accords from Civil War still a thing? Um, because a lot of these heroes, Wanda, uh, Falcon, Sam Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes, they didn't sign the accords either. So um, are they still fugitives? Or, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's something they haven't, the, the accords are still a thing. We see a reference to them here in the Smithsonian scene, but what is the status of them? And, and what is the status of these heroes? I mean, we, we do find out Bucky Barnes got a pardon. Sam Wilson is contracting with the Air Force. Uh, so he's working closely with the government. Um, but it, it does seem like the Avengers themselves are, are no more. It's no longer a, a group. Uh, the other thing I want to point out, there was a fun conversation here between Torres and Sam Wilson about the status of Captain America. Um, there's apparently some online rumor that he's on a secret base on the moon, and I thought that was that was fantastic because, you know, that goes kind of to our point of like, is he really dead? Are they hiding him? Where is he? Um, also, Like with all these other things, there was a comic book storyline where uh, there was a secret base on the moon um, where Uatu, the Watcher, um, would watch over the events that are going on on Earth. And it was in this big storyline called Original Sin. I won't get into it, but it involved Nick Fury and a secret base on the moon. And where is Nick Fury right now? In space. So, you know, maybe there is something to this online chatter, we may see it come back but just great reference great and great that's reference. also
1: another thing like i wouldn't get that referenced but uh but all the inside references that they do do for the diehard comic book fans but uh, to me it you know that is the on the moon it, they're not taking themselves too seriously they know that you know people uh will have will be rumors and guessing about what's going on with the series and they tr- try and throw that in themselves a mm-hmm. uh, little tongue-in-cheek references so it's another great reason uh, why I enjoy them.
0: Yeah. After this, we we see what Sam Wilson was getting ready for, and it was this, um, this sort of farewell to Steve Rogers at the Smithsonian. Um, the Smithsonian, it's great continuity here because the Smithsonian we saw had a exhibit to Steve in uh, The Winter Soldier. And now, you know, continuing that, uh, they've expanded on that exhibit quite a bit. And Sam Wilson is basically giving a speech in front of uh, a crowd. And in the crowd... We see James Rhodes, Rhodey, Uh, Don Cheadle is back. Uh, That was a surprise. That was not something that had been rumored or leaked or anything. So uh, great to see Rhodey Um, and Sam, you know, giving his speech. Basically, is saying how uh, we we, the world does need heroes, um, but a symbol is more about sometimes more about a man, but sometimes it takes that man to. Uh, basically, operate that symbol, and he was basically saying, like, there is only one Steve Rogers, um, and the shield is equal to Steve, and I, I'm not Steve, so I'm giving the shield back. Um, and he's giving it; he was donating it to the exhibit. And uh, you know, that
1: I'm sorry, that should have been setting off red flags for everybody watching. I, I, I think. Why is that? I mean, well, just anytime someone has tried to do the right thing, I feel it comes back to bite them you know, not soon after. So again, you have uh, Sam showing great humility, showing mm-hmm. that he is unworthy, that there is only one, and that I guess you don't realize it, but in the Marvel universe, there has been the Captain America for over 70 years, going back to World War II. So again, Sam not thinking he's worthy to, to carry on the mantle, carry on the torch, uh, but then, you know, the government's gonna do what the government's gonna do.
0: So speaking of that, the government, uh, there is an official there in attendance that shakes Sam's hand and says, oh, you know, thank you for coming forward. You're doing the right thing. Um, And and, and pats Sam on the the back, basically, for turning in the shield. Um, Interesting. We'll put a pin in that. We'll we'll come back to that later. Um, But in the meantime, Rhodey is also there and he kind of grabs Sam and pulls him aside and, and says, you know, let's take a walk Um, and and talk about this for a minute. And I I really like this conversation. Basically, Rhodey is asking Sam why he didn't take up the mantle. Um, He seems a little bit disappointed in Sam that he didn't decide to carry the shield forward um, Rhody gives us a little bit of background, saying that the world is sort of a mess right now. The, the allies are, are no longer allies, and enemies are now friends, and things are crazy. Um, Rhody did survive the blip, uh, so he was one of the ones that was active for the five-year period. Um, but I guess my question here was, well, okay, Rhody, those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Does that mean you're the new Iron Man? Like, what, what is going on here? But, it, I mean, I think it was significant to have um, two sidekick characters um, to, to the legacy characters of Captain America and Iron Man having this conversation and, and talking about legacy and mantles and, and things like that. Um, also, you know, I, I'll say this. I think the show may be addressing issues of race later, but these are two African-American characters talking about legacy and, and you know, the mantles of two... Uh, to non-African-American characters. Um, so, you know, there may be extra weight and gravity that you can read into this conversation there as well.
1: De- definitely, I think the, the, the race conversation was, you know, or intended to be purposeful, mm. uh, like you said, carrying on after two iconic white superheroes, and now that have now one gone, one seemingly gone, and and what happens, and how does that legacy continue for a new generation that is not the same as it was uh, for the prior one?
0: Yeah, and there and as Rody says, the world is broken, and we're just looking for someone to fix it. So, um, I and, as, I, don't and know. I
1: do, I and mean, like you said, I I hope they get into, you know, what was going on in, in since the blip uh, in those last six months. What has happened? What are the the power political structures that have mm-hmm. uh, happened? I mean, because like you know, we are two. We we took uh, international politics, you know, in our college <laughs> days. So we we remember the rise and fall of the great empires. But it would be cool to see, you know, from the geopolitical stance, what what's happening, how that played out, and and how superheroes may realign depending on what's going on in, in
0: countries. And, and did they rebuild City Field? I mean, that's the question everyone wants to know. Um, th- this was great. I, I this was one of my favorite scenes of the episode, and, and seeing Rhodey was a, a treat. And he leaves this conversation by saying, you know, we'll catch up, you know, or I'll be in touch. Um, so will we see him again? Who knows? I do hope. I do um, hope. Did you see that... some of the artifacts in the Smithsonian exhibit uh, yes. as they were panning around? There was a little bit of uh, some some uh, exhibits that were dedicated to Hydra, to Bucky, to the Accords. Um, And then the wall that they're facing has uh, different pictures from Captain America, the first Avenger from that movie. There's also a panel of the original Captain America number one of of him punching Hitler um, in the face, which, you know, is a a famous, famous, famous comic book cover. I love that in this universe, there are Captain America comics that came out about him. And I I think that's a really nice touch. Um, There was a beautiful Alex Ross painting, which was a, a very famous... Uh, painting that existed outside of the movies that got brought in so uh, nice And again I think
1: a nice counterpoint to Winter Soldier because if I remember correctly when Bucky was in that uh, exhibit he was trying to figure out who he was Mm -hmm. and now you have Sam in the same exhibit trying to figure out who he is and who he's going to be going forward so great parallelism between the two
0: scenes nice point nice point thank you From here, uh, we get a quick flashback uh, to uh, it seems like a a man being ushered through an old hotel lobby and, uh, you know, it's not clear what's going on. And all of a sudden, a a metal arm busts through a wall and grabs a guy. And we have sort of this action sequence and we see uh, Bucky slash the Winter Soldier um, in full Winter Soldier garb, you know, long hair. He's got the mask on um, and he looks very much like he did all those years ago in that movie. Um, and at this point, I was I was kind of confused. I was like, "Oh, or is, did Bucky grow his hair out again?" Because you know, you haven't seen him in so long. Um, but it turns out that this is sort of a a nightmare, a flashback, a memory. Um, and during that, it looks like you know, Bucky's dispatching people. He gives us the famous hail Hydra as he chokes this old man to death. And then there's a a, a young Asian man who's trying to frantically get into a, a door that's in the same hallway. Um, wasn't a part of any of the violence or anything that was going on, but he just happened to be sort of in that hallway at the time. And, you know, Winter Soldier looks over and if you've seen the movie, you know, it's sort of a a no witnesses sort of situation. So he goes over and you see him pull out a gun and then you hear a gunshot and then it flashes to present day Bucky uh, waking up in a cold sweat on the floor. Um, Did you think that this was something that was happening Currently, in the past, what did you think about the Winter Soldier sequence?
1: Well, at first, I thought it was happening currently, and that those were villains that he was attacking, uh, until the last moment when he locked eyes with the, with the young teenager, which again, shows the importance of electronic key cards. <laughs> if he had had that, he'd be in the hotel room without any issues. Uh, so put that out there. Uh, for our friend. Level up
0: watches advocating for electronic <laughs> key cards.
1: <laughs> but no, I, I did think that it was, uh, he was fighting current villains up until that last moment where Locke dies and then realize, oh, wait a minute, Winter Soldier. And then of course he wakes up, mm-hmm. or rather you snap out of it in the uh, therapy session, which I, to well, me, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Before that, he wakes up on the floor. In like a sparse apartment building uh, before before they get into the therapy session, um, which I thought was a callback to Winter Soldier when Steve and Sam have the conversation about how when they came back from war they couldn't sleep in their bed because it felt too yes, soft. You're right. Yes, um, yes, and I, I thought that was sort of a nice throwback to that.
1: Well, I was just saying so uh, not to jump the gun. To no, the... No.
0: let's go, let's go for it.
1: Well, the therapy session, and I thought just uh, from a cinematography standpoint the camera angles right above the head, like looking into the minds of both Bucky and the psychiatrist, I mm-hmm. thought was just very well done. And again, showing that the series is more adult, you're getting that emotional uh, look into the characters and it's not, you know, superficial, just fighting crime uh, and and that we're delving into something deeper here.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Bucky's therapy session. So- Um, It's one, it's nice to see that Bucky is in therapy um, and that he's getting help. Um, That is something that I think a lot of these heroes could benefit from and they don't take advantage of. Um, But Bucky seems to be reluctantly attending these therapy sessions. He's not forthcoming with the therapist. Um, Luckily, the therapist seems to be able to see right through him. Um, Who, Of
1: course, I loved from her stint. I don't know if there's any Raymond fans out there. Uh, played the Girl Scout leader who beat up Ray Romano over Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> as if you've seen that classic episode. Uh, so it was nice to see her uh, in, in
0: this series as well. Playing a similar character, you know. It's just, it's <laughs> also beating up our hero, uh, Bucky. Uh, but no, she. We, this is where we find out that Bucky got a full pardon for his crimes as Winter Soldier. All those murders, including Tony Stark's parents. Um, He is, you know, now a free man, uh, but he seems to be lost. He's shuffling. doesn't know quite what to do with his time. Um, One of the things I really like that he says here is like, look, I've had one battle after another for 90 years. And if you think about it, you know, other than he said, I had a little bit of calm in Wakanda, which, you know, you can kind of watch the thread back through the movies and, and realize that ever since he enlisted and started in the war in World War II, I mean it's just been one battle after another for him and he's never had like a moment's peace um he he really didn't get a chance to have uh rekindle his friendship with with steve rogers which is really a shame because those two could relate the most they're both men at a time they they were from a different age they're now living in the present um, but he's been brainwashed, the poor guy's been uh, experimented on, uh, he's had his arm arm removed, put back together, I mean, it's it's only been one thing after another for him, and that's all he seems to know is fighting.
1: And especially, like you said, that one scene where, I guess, when they're on the date, how old am I, it's just 106 or, or something like that, and, and you realize, yeah, he has been doing this for, for all that time, whereas Cap, you know, lay dormant for mm-hmm how many years, 50 plus years, uh, only to reawaken. Um, but yeah, here is a man who who's never really lived the life that he wanted to and has struggled uh, throughout all of it. So yeah. to see him finally getting help and, and seeing how much he actually has to deal with.
0: Yeah. Um, this is also where we find out that Bucky keeps uh, what he calls an amends list um and he's trying to it sort of it reminded me very much of when we hear the the black widow talk about her ledger and she has red in the ledger and she's got to clear it um it seems like he's sort of atoning for some of the things that happened as a as the winter soldier or that he's trying to correct um so we see a sequence where Um, The therapist goes through three rules. And I don't know if these are going to come back in the series or not, or if it was a big deal, but they went through three rules. I wrote them down. Let's talk about them. Uh, But basically rule number one is that he's going to do, he's not going to do anything that's illegal. And, you know, it it flashes to uh, this, this situation in a parking garage with Senator Atwood, which I wrote that down because I was like, oh, I'm going to name check this later and see if there's any comic book connections. But I, I didn't really see anything um and who senator atwood was a hydra pawn that he helped install as the winter soldier um so he attaches a device to her car and starts taking control of it so he's telling his therapist you know no no i didn't do anything illegal you know i just trying to set this right um rule number two nobody gets hurt well he walks up to the car once it's under his control and punches uh the senator's aide or whoever she's talking to in the face uh in the car And then uh, number three, he uh, just, you know, introduces himself and he says, you know, I'm I'm James Buchanan Barnes. I'm no longer the Winter Soldier. I'm here to make amends. Um, And then he called the police and kind of let them mop up the Atwood situation. Um, When he finishes the story, he pulls out a notebook and he crosses her name off of a list. If you pause that notebook, there are other names on the page. One of the names is H. Zemo, which if you know from uh, Civil War is Helmut Z- Zemo, who was the, the main villain in Civil War who reactivated his uh, brainwashing. So um, that was one of the names that really jumped out to me on the list. There are a few others that are Easter eggs, um, but I, I think that we may be coming back to Zemo's name on, on that list.
1: And at least for me, when, you know, do nothing illegal and then basically locks them in the car and self-drives it, uh, that to me was like, okay, so we're really not going by these, you know, this credo and how far is he willing to push the envelope in order to make amends? Is is, Is he fully, you know, turned over a new leaf and he'll do whatever he can to make to make amends to uh, as he is a new person or will he still revert back to that old uh, winter soldier tactics if he feels it's necessary to to right all the wrongs. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I also think that'll be, and of course that's always the con- conflicting battle between a lot of these superheroes uh, pushing the envelope. Uh, so I, I, I'm hoping that that'll come up in, in later episodes.
0: It's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. And then the other thing that we find out is that Sam has been reaching out to Bucky. Uh, he has texts on his phone, um, but he has not responded. Bucky's not responding. He's kind of shutting down. Um, the therapist goes through his phone and says, "There's less than ten people here in your phone. <laughs> go, go make some friends. Go, go find some people." And you know, Bucky says it's it's been really hard for him, uh, which interestingly enough, the show then jumps us to Brooklyn. Um, and I don't know if the therapist session was in Brooklyn or not, but it gave us a new title card that we were in Brooklyn. So I'm sure you were very happy uh, about that. <laughs> um, but Bucky basically walks in on a uh, an alley argument between uh, a young guy and an older Asian man uh, who's named Yuri Nakajima. And he's clearly very familiar with yuri um they talk about he says oh you know let's go get lunch let's let's go down to izzy's um i'm buying this time so you know i don't know whether or not yuri was one of the 10 numbers or not but it seems like you know he is trying to make friends and he did get to know this guy on some level to the point where they're having lunch at least semi-regularly i don't know (laughs)
1: I, and I thought it was a, I thought that they were friends from uh, way back when, as well, that they may have uh, crossed, crossed paths, you know, 70 years ago and are catching up after lost time. But You never that, know.
0: You um, never know. It's not proven correct. Uh, this also sort of gives us a another connection to Captain America, the winner, uh, the, sorry, Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie, where we first meet Bucky Barnes, and he's breaking up an alley fight between Steve Rogers and a, a bigger bully. Um, here, Bucky Barnes is breaking up an alley fight between Yuri and this young guy, so I um, thought that was a nice little throwback. Um, Nakajima, he, he he's looking out for his buddy, Bucky, though, you know, they're out at, at lunch, and he sees Bucky sort of looking at the, the young waitress, and um, he's like, why don't you ask this girl out? And Bucky says, no, 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 I'm good. And then Nakajima asks the girl out for Bucky, Um, which I thought was kind of a funny, funny sequence because Bucky says he hasn't really danced since 1943. He keeps making like these side remarks about like how old he is. And I don't think any of the characters are ever actually listening to him. <laughs> he's just like, by the way, I'm 100. <laughs> and nobody seems to really bang it, it, it was
1: referenced quite a lot. And you you do wonder how many of them actually know but seeing there, you, you did see uh, him looking out for him, you know, sort of in. I'm sure we'll get to it, like a you know father son away, you know. There yeah. was some type of of bond there. Yeah. Uh, that how long has it been there? Why was it formed? And and you know. I'll give it away It'll Be the end of the episode when we'll get well,
0: to it. Well, this is where we find out that when Yuri is looking at the, the mochi uh, sitting on the, the counter and he gets very sad and and sort of uh, wistful and um, Bucky asks him what's wrong and he, he says that his son really enjoyed that dessert and um, you know that he lost his son some time ago and, and he says that he never found out what happened because his son died overseas or, or abroad and, and they only just told him that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time but he felt like something... Something had happened uh, that shouldn't have happened, and he feels an emptiness uh, in his life. And you see Bucky sort of get solemn as well, um, but they don't really go into why or explain what's going on because you know they, they just kind of on to the next scene. <laughs> um, here at this point, you know, the, the, we, this is where we start getting into Louisiana and some of Sam's uh, background. We meet Sam's sister, who's named Sarah. Um, turns out Sam has two nephews uh, that have grown up in his absence while he's been away uh, on the blip. Uh, they own Wilson's family seafood. They have a, this, this, tr- this boat, this old boat, uh, with the title Paul and Darlene, who, which is named after Sam and Sarah's parents, um, which are their actual names in the comic books, which is kind of cool. And Sarah is his actual sister from the comic books, um, which is, which is kind of a nice touch. Um, Sam and Sarah are fighting over what to do with the boat. Sarah wants to sell it. She wants to kind of move on. Sam feels like it's one of the few things that in the house are the two things that their parents left them and that they should be doing more to, to fight to save it, uh, to keep it going. Um, clearly, Sarah is behind on on payments. She needs uh, to, to take out some, some loans or something uh, because she, she's in danger of losing the house. And uh, Sam is trying to do whatever he can to to help her. He's saying, you know, we should try the banks, we should go here, we should do this. And Sarah's like, look, I've tried all that. And and Sarah kind of gives us the impression of, um, she was left holding the bag to keep this family together, to keep her family together during the five years that Sam was gone. And there's, I don't know if their parents passed away during the five year period, they don't really talk about too much about what happened to the parents. Um, But, you know, clearly she, I think resents Sam for being gone and then just showing up and demanding things to be his way when she's been living by herself, raising two boys on her own. Um, We find out later she's a a widower um, and and she's had no help. So I I don't know. what, What did you think of Sarah when you first met her?
1: I was unsure where they were going with the, with the, uh, that storyline, but like you said, it, it shows the emotional level that the blip had on those that didn't blip, and and the effects of everyone coming back, and how you know folks that finally got on with their lives, uh, and and were, you know, doing the best they can, you know, now have to deal with everything being changed once again on them, and mm-hmm. finally getting over a loss, only to realize that they are now back. But have missed five, maybe substantial lives, uh, or rather five substantial years in their lives. And going to the bank scene where they mm-hmm. get denied for the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you have the the bank teller who's so excited that it's Falcon, you know, is taking pictures with Takes him a minute
0: to re- recognize him at first, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I know this probably happens to you on the street too, it's just
1: more often than not, I'll tell you that. Uh, but. To again, it echoes that. Wow, you're a superhero. You know, you did you you're so great. You did so much for us, but mm-hmm. we're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. We are always expecting you to help us, and and that's what we want from you, and and that's why we love you. But we're not going to go the extra mile to help you, even after everything that that you've done.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and again, that-
1: another you know the the racial uh, underlines of of redlining and and loans uh as well from banks it permeates throughout that scene as well
0: yeah i think they tried to play it both ways there because i think sarah definitely took some offense to the way that that, that loan officer treated them and says oh you know oh, things always seem to tighten up you know when we come along Um, But he tried to backpedal a little bit and say, no, 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 it's just the the matter of, you know, five people or five years uh, and half the world's population coming back. You know, we're tightening everything up. You know, the rules have changed for that reason. It's for everybody. Um, And I, I, you know, I don't know if he was being genuine or if not, you know, and and what that meant there. They did say that their family has banked at that bank for a long time. Um, But, yeah, they get denied the loan. And Sam, you know, Sarah told Sam that that was what was going to happen, but Sam felt like his celebrity would sort of get them through it. and you know, he's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm an avenger, but he has to keep bringing the loan officer back back to the loan. He's like,, All right, so I want to talk to you about this loan um and this is where we find out that you know they they didn't have any kind of pension they don't have any kind of benefits the 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 loan officer says well you, you have no income for five years and sam's like well i've been gone for five years what do you expect you know um so you know it's 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 sad almost in how the Avengers, the new Avengers, uh, or the superheroes are now having to sort of skimp and save and scrape together to make any kind of life for themselves. And um, Sam said that they sort of operated on goodwill for all this time. Um, I don't know how much of that is true. Uh, In the comic books, the Avengers did get a, a very nice, like, stipend every every two weeks or so when Tony Stark is alive and even if Tony Stark is dead for whatever reason in the comic books his his Funding still kind of continues as long as he has money. He's gone bankrupt several times. Um, but there's always, the money is never an issue uh, for many of the Avengers in, in the comic books. And that's, that's one of the, the the funny things about Spider-Man, just to go off for a second. Spider-Man always desperately wants to join the Avengers so he can actually make some money for once because he's a poor kid, he can't make any money. Uh, but but here it doesn't seem like the, the case. And at least not now, not post-Endgame, it seems like everybody's on their own.
1: And I'm curious to see the Avengers that didn't blip uh, if their situation is different when we come across some of those characters uh, later on.
0: I think Rocket Raccoon was like doing zoo animal tricks, you know, for money for a while. And it's just, <laughs> that's how he got by. Um, so we jumped to the bank, but I, I didn't want to go back to Bucky's date. Bucky has his date um, with with the girl and and not too much of consequence happens here, but... Um, she, she, they they start flirting and they seem to be hitting it off pretty well. Um, They play Battleship and she just stares at Bucky and he's like, what are you looking at? And she goes, I'm reading your mind. And in any other show, in any other franchise universe, that kind of a statement is like, oh, that's cute. You know, they're playing Battleship. Like that doesn't mean anything, but this is Marvel, darn it. And (laughs) I wrote that down because if this girl comes back three episodes from now and she's a mind reader from the X-Men or something, you know, I want to say that we covered it here first. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Um, Bucky also mentions here that- I'll
1: say that Marvel doesn't seem to do anything unintentionally. I'll say that. They caught
0: a lot of flack for, there was an offhand reference in WandaVision to uh, Monica Rambeau said that she knew this aerospace engineer that would help them- uh, with their problem with the the, the hex. And you know, for three episodes, people were like, "Oh, is, does this mean it's the Fantastic Four? Is it Reed Richards?" Blah blah blah, and like, people were just cartwheeling crazier and crazier theories. And it turns out it was just a just a normal scientist that helped her build the rover. And like, people were freaking out because they were so angry that their theories were were wrong. So you know, Marvel, you, you got to be careful dropping this kind of stuff because comic book fans, you know, now they're trying to figure out what telepath uh, was an Asian uh, waitress. <laughs> and how, you know, how do we? the dots here um you never know you never know who could show up
1: hey that's why i feel like i'm in a good position i, I don't get crazy <laughs> like that i don't right, see what happens next friday
0: yet you're a co-host on a podcast about the show yeah i don't um, know
1: what contest i lost <laughs> that you had to find me
0: <laughs> all right bringing it down a little bit we do bucky starts to kind of either he he realizes or he's putting the pieces together but um the 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 girl tells him on the date you know i think it's really nice that you and yuri are are uh getting along you're getting him out he seems like a different person since his son died um and, and she talks about how there's no word for a parent that loses their child it's it's the ultimate sadness and bucky abruptly leaves the date i mean he barely says goodbye he just walks right out of a restaurant and uh the next scene he he's in yuri he goes i to think that's a a,
1: that's something we've all experienced in our lives uh <laughs> Or just me, just me. No, okay. no, nope,
0: nope. all I have to do is say, Hey, let's talk about the MCU, and usually <laughs> right out the door. <laughs> and then you
1: left holding the chicken fingers.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, Bucky goes right to Yuri's apartment, he knocks on the door, Yuri answers, and uh, Bucky looks and he kind of looks over Yuri's shoulder, and you can see uh, a picture on the mantle, uh, uh, and it's it's sort of a, a memorial shrine, um, to. Uh, yuri's son and the picture is the same uh young man that we see in the flashback earlier that bucky shot in the face uh for being in the wrong place at the wrong time so i i don't know if bucky always knew that that was his father or that was the connection there because he does he crosses yuri's name off the list or he circles it on his list um or if he was just kind of putting the pieces together as he was getting to know this man but uh But clearly, there are some unresolved issues there and and some remorse.
1: And you you wonder if Yuri knows.
0: Right, right. Because Yuri is kind of confused as to why Bucky is there at his, his door. And Bucky makes up a quick excuse that he's paying him back for lunch from earlier that day. So, don't know. Uh let's talk about Switzerland for a minute and meeting the, the flag smashers. Uh, so we see Torres, he's uh, you know taken it upon himself to research this organization. Um, he's following some prompts on his phone and uh, he meets an individual that he's asking around. He's like, oh, so what do we do? What do we do? And uh, he meets an individual, starts passing out masks um, with like a, a red handprint on them, on the face. And uh, all of a sudden, alarms ring out. And we see an individual jump from like the second story of a Swiss bank and land on the ground, uh, and then all chaos breaks out. Everybody wearing masks starts running around, and you know it almost—it's kind of like the Joker scene from The Dark Knight. Speaking of The Dark Knight, because you know everyone's wearing the same masks, there's chaos. They're passing off the money bags. The police can't really figure out who's got what. Torres is trying to figure things out on the ground, and um, you know he knocks over a police officer and apologizes. And he tries to confront the the big ringleader, uh, the man who jumped out of the building. And first of all, that the man kicks a a police officer or a guard or something, and the man clearly he he flies into a pole, dents the pole, lands on the ground. Uh, Torres tries to confront him, he gets lifted up over the guy's head and just thrown on the ground like he's a rag doll. Something is enhanced or or some kind of super strength for this, this ringleader of the flag smashers. Um, Which makes and... me think
1: he didn't do his research uh <laughs> enough. That you, you think you're actually going to get this guy, uh the, the ringleader mm-hmm. uh, with one foul swoop uh by yourself. Uh, so that obviously did not all work out for him. But but you wonder where he did get that strength from and is there some type of and this is my you know we're going to do predictions but i do think that there is a hydra element that that's running still through this series
0: so you think hydra's still around
1: or or a reincarnation of it um
0: cut off one head two more grow in its place
1: that has taken place uh since the blip Mm -hmm. or during the
0: clearly there this individual is enhanced in some way um, and in a way that we haven't seen before, like like I said, ba- Batroc uh, or Bar- Bartok, the, the leaper, um, he didn't have this sort of strength um, in the past. So um, the man, the, the the ringleader jumped out of a second story building without any sort of reaction at all. Uh, he kicked a guy into a pole. He picked Torres up, you know, like he was nothing. I mean, this is there's something going on here with this organization that clearly I don't know if they're related to the L. LFA or LAF that we heard about before um, but but there's enhanced individuals going on here we'll we'll probably find out more about that later and and
1: that'll just keep them out of the baseball hall of fame for, for the foreseeable future
0: <laughs> no no votes for them um Torres I thought Torres was dead. I mean, he got his face kicked yeah, in and then the screen goes black.
1: Like five minutes later, he's outside the ambulance. Hey, buddy. Yeah, uh, he calls, calls up Sam
0: after happen? after the bank in- incident. He calls up Sam and he's kind of filling Sam in. Sam, you know, to his credit, Sam's like, look, you should have waited for me before you <laughs> jumped in here. Um, but Torres is sort of giving him the rundown and showing him some of the footage. And, um, and, and Sam's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get involved with this. But before Sam can really get into it with Torres, Sarah comes in and interrupts their conversation and she says, Sam, there's something going on on TV, you got to see this. And she turns on this breaking news report and it's a a US official standing at the podium. It's the same guy who thanked Sam shook his hand for turning in the shield told him he's doing the right thing. Um, And he basically is at this podium saying, you know, look, the time is now for the US to have a new hero. Um, Our recent events have led to this, so I don't know if he's alluding to the the Switzerland incident or just crime in general is on the rise, but he he clearly says, like, recent events are the cause for this. Um, So it's time for a new hero, and you can see on Sam and Sarah's faces, they kind of see where this is going, Um, but he says... I, I'm I'm happy to introduce that we have a new Captain America, and like the the doors open behind the official, and we see sort of the 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 camera is from behind. We see the shield. It's it's Captain America's original shield that the guy's holding. He's walking down the steps. I'm looking at the costume, and you can see at his hip, he's he's carrying a gun, which is something that the original Captain America did not carry, at least not in uh, the movies. Um, he has the shield, and then he he steps up to the podium, he smiles at the camera, he winks, and then it, it fades to black, fades and to that's black. the end of the episode.
1: Now I know you said, and I was gonna look it up, but you yelled at me not to, <laughs> who, this, who this new Captain America is, but before we get to that, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll yeah. throw a theory out. Okay. Uh But first, and again going back to this theme of the government trying to control it's superheroes government created captain america and mm-hmm. the avengers sort of go off and do their own thing that as mm-hmm. we know gets them into into trouble in civil war and maybe there was this thought by the government that you know if sam does become the new captain america he's not going to do what we need him to do and we're going to create a captain america that's going to do what we need to do and that maybe you know the united states is not the good country anymore after the blip, or or maybe stuff has happened uh, that you know leads them to to not need a, a true superhero, but just one that'll do its bidding.
0: It's a it's a good good theory, good point. Um, I think that the thing that stands out to me is on the one hand, this official is telling Sam, "You're doing the right thing. Thank you for coming forward. You know, donating the shield to the museum."
1: Okay, can I give my theory right now?
0: Oh, sure, sure, sure.
1: And again, don't don't make fun of me. People no 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 myself. no this Not you is the one... <laughs> rest is the rest of your comic book uh people. Is that is that the actual Captain America shield that he gave back?
0: Good question. Good question. Um I, I don't know. I guess is we'll that, find is out. Is that
1: a the theory out there or did I just make that up? I
0: I haven't heard that one. Yeah. so um well if it
1: does happen you are it here first
0: (laughs) i will say i'm trying to think if there was any other instances of like a fake shield out there and um there was an easter egg in iron man 2 which was before the first captain america movie was even made where um iron man is working on the new element and he's talking to colson and he's trying to figure out how to balance like a pipe and he's like oh you know, where'd you find that? Bring that over here. And it was like a prototype Captain America shield that was like half constructed. And Colson gives it to me. He's like, do you know what this is? And he's like, yeah, it's perfect. It'll, you know, balance out this this pipe. Um, and so we did see a fake shield there. Um, and that was just sort of a, a one-off Easter egg, you know, just a, a joke. It wasn't even the shield that they used in the, the movie. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that could have very well have been a prop shield it just seems like sam was genuine about wanting to give that away right right. i'm Um, just trying to
1: make news here i'm just trying to get on that's okay
0: no no i i appreciate the theories uh because you're coming at it from a different perspective than i am so i think it's it's going to be fun to track your theories or, or predictions as we as we continue through the series um I can give you one thing and it came from the credits. The credits I thought were, were fantastic. Um, they would have different pieces from uh, the histories of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. For example, they had a, a page out of Bucky's uh, brainwash book uh, that had the the code words on it. Um, they had like a small sliver of that and they, they do, they would put text out and then they'd kind of redact the text, like a government document and, and replace it with the name of the actor. Um, and, there was a a few uh, f- images that were like recruitment po- posters uh, in the credits that said Cap is back, John Walker. So the name of uh, this new Captain America is John Walker. And uh, don't open it up. Don't read about <laughs> it. If you, uh, listeners, if you want to look into oh, he is in uh, here. He uh, the storyline, in uh, look up John Walker or look up the U.S. agent storyline and it may give you some hints as to what is to come in this series um also uh there may be some connections here to the sam wilson captain america storyline uh from a few years back Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that comes into play but all right so that is episode one in the books basically sam and bucky don't even cross paths (laughs) they're not even together um but here the status quo we have a new captain america out there government sponsored um sam's not too happy about it he looks down in disgust um what how are you feeling what what were your impressions of the episode
1: well i guess everything that i've said but i'm a little disappointed that it's only six episodes this series Mm. and i'm hoping for for longer uh Episodes that there's so much. There was so much to unpack in this first episode mm-hmm. uh, between you know Sam being left to figure out how to fend for himself, Bucky figuring out to deal with all his mental issues uh, and and his new life, uh, and then all these enemies that are that are popping up. Will everything be resolved in six episodes, or will it be a cliffhanger that we have to wait for for one of the movies?
0: No. Well, I will say this: um, where we sort of knew that Wandavision was a one-and-done series, like it was just the the twelve episodes or whatever, and it was finished. I don't know if I can say the same about this series. Um, and I think recently, uh, Marvel's uh, sort of guru, who's overseeing all the movies and the TV stuff, uh, Kevin Feige, he he recently said that you know some of our Disney Plus series could continue. To more than one season um but it'll be it'll be interesting i don't know if this is one of those series that that will have more than one season but it is only six episodes
1: yeah and you know Um, i i don't i just have loved how they've created everything to lead into something else mm -hmm. and i would hate for them just to continue a series just to continue a series without having it everything planned to lead to something else in the in the mcu which i don't think they would do but
0: and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had this problem where it, it couldn't air certain episodes before a movie was released because the, the things that happened in the episodes dealt with directly whatever movie was in theaters at that time. And then the following, the rest of the season would air. Um, in this situation, because of COVID, we were supposed to be you know, knee deep in phase four by now. You know, the the Black Widow movie should have been out by now. This series should have been finished. Uh, the the WandaVision should have been long finished. So they had to shuffle some pieces around because of COVID. And you
1: actually said this was supposed to air before WandaVision originally. Yes,
0: yep, it was supposed to air before WandaVision, um, but they were kind of in the middle of production when COVID hit and then they decided to move forward with WandaVision, which I think was a little bit closer to being finished um and chronologically i think it makes more sense in the way that they did it because wandavision takes place like right after endgame pretty much and this takes place six months later so it it makes sense for them to have waited
1: and we also we would be remiss if we didn't point out the news that disney plus is releasing black widow oh yes Oh, rather disney is releasing it in the theater on the same day on disney plus and now, as a Marvel fan for longer than I, how do you feel about that? Because it's such an it's a it's a shared experience. These movies mm-hmm. have become. Would you be content, you know, watching it in in your basement without, you know, around a hundred people?
0: If it being Black Widow, for it. <laughs> it being Black Widow, and being like an individual hero movie. I feel more comfortable watching it at home. It's sort of like a Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's like a WandaVision. If it was Avengers Endgame, like they are so lucky that COVID didn't hit a year earlier um, to conclude that storyline. That shared experience, that movie experience is something that I will always remember. That audience reaction when Cap catches the hammer. It's like that, there, there are YouTube videos out there that are still circulating around of, you know, just the theater going crazy. And, and that's something that uh, I, I would not give up for the world. So I don't think we're going to get a a jaw-dropping moment like that in Black Widow. So I feel better about seeing that at home. Um, I don't know if I want to pay the $30 or whatever to Disney Plus to watch at home. But, uh, you know, it's... I think the next movie that would have that kind of an effect may be doctor strange in the multiverse of madness, just because they're dealing with the multiverse and and we'll see who shows up
1: might be popping up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. Anything else about uh, episode one, New World Order? They've kind of, a lot of table setting in this episode, getting us sort of reacquainted with Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes and and where they're going to go. Yeah,
1: well, I think they got a lot to do over the next five episodes. So I'm ready. I'm ready for some more action. Uh, And like I I said, it's really a psychological thriller component to the series, which I'm going to enjoy
0: a lot. A lot of fun. It's going to be a fun ride. I'm glad to have you with me uh, as we go through it. Uh before we go for this week do you have anything that you want to plug talk about for the audience at home?
1: Well I feel if I plug the eBay store that your comic book friends are not <laughs> happy to about. That. But we'll, we'll be in about touch a, about that. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about a uh a sponsorship deal. Well, I actually have my own video podcast with uh I actually on Staten Island uh, run an organization that uh, honors and celebrates uh, theater in the high schools here on Staten Island. It's called the Minty Organization. And this year we're celebrating our 10th anniversary of the Minty Awards, uh, which honors and and celebrates uh, the program. So we've actually started a video series uh, where we're welcoming back some alumni playing some clips Uh, Not that any of you will have any vested interest in any of those people, but you could check us out on uh, Minty Awards on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and you could catch some really talented folks uh, doing some real, real good
0: theater. Well, just to tie it back, and something that I will be forever jealous of you actually go. You had a cameo involved with the the Minty Awards.
1: My friend from high school was on. I forget the name of it but it was a like uh, stanley had a who wants to be a superhero show Mm -hmm. and my friend was on it and he was the first person that was voted off in the first episode (laughs) but he stanley loved him so much gave him a job and worked with stanley up until his death and in 2013 uh, my friend and stan lee sent us a video Uh, congratulating all the students in that year's Minty Awards, and he ends it with saying, uh, with great power, uh, you know the rest, Excelsior, and that is a video that I treasured in 2013, but now even more so.
0: let's be i remember 2013 pretty well and you were like oh look what i i got stan lee i don't even you know whatever stan lee who's he you know it was not a big deal to you back then and now you know now it is a, i wish i knew him better memories.
1: yeah they are not gonna allow me back next week
0: because of that. <laughs> it's like meet me at the minties excelsior and i was like oh my god you got stan lee to say your made up award show name that's so cool <laughs> so <laughs> Can
1: we cut to black <laughs>
0: <laughs> before we do that uh we are level up watches i hope you guys have enjoyed this i hope you'll join us for uh the next few episodes um we we'll have a few more uh, co-hosts and, and guests and we're gonna cover episode two uh we're gonna try to release these midweek to give people a chance to watch the show before we spoil it um but please leave comments if you've enjoyed this uh, i hope you do we'll we'll be back mike will be back uh, regardless of whether or not we fire him we'll just drag him back on um, we are a part of the Level Up Entertainment Network, and so uh, please go visit uh, the Level Up online store, shoplevelup.com. Uh, check out all the cool video games, comic books, all the tie-ins. If you want to know more about John Walker and the U.S. Agent so that you can, you know, kind of learn more about it, you can probably find some of those comics on the website right now. I, I don't know if we have that uh, no- graphic novel in stock, but I'm sure we have plenty of stories Involving Falcon and Winter Soldier, so you can impress your friends at the next battleship date night. How's that sound? All right. With that, uh, Marvelous Mike, thank you very much for joining me this week. It's been an uh,
1: honor. I do hope I'm invited back next week. If not, in fun.
0: Open invitation. Open invitation. <laughs> I have been Harry. This is Level Up Watches, and we will see you next week to be continued.
1: Good night, everybody.